One thing to note, though, is that the emerging applications of electrochemistry need a more urgent de-risking. And so that's the applications that include electrolyzers to produce hydrogen and batteries and fuel cells to support infrastructure uh, that is clean or mobility that is cleaner. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward, a foresight podcast where we explore clean tech customers, capital, and Canada's path to net zero. Tune in to learn more about Canada's most exciting clean tech startups, industry success stories, investor insights, and academic initiatives as we accelerate the growth and impact of clean tech together. Welcome to Clean Tech Forward. I'm Jeanette Jackson, CEO of Foresight Canada. Today, I'm speaking with Miriam Awara, the COO of Pulsenix. Miriam and I discuss how Pulsenix is decarbonizing electrochemical processes across various industries, how she developed an interest in sustainability at an early age, and how Canadian accelerators have shaped her career. This Clean Tech Forward podcast is supported by Gowling WLG. A global leader in intellectual property law, Gowling WLG works alongside Canadian clean tech companies to develop IP strategies that maximize business opportunities and increase market share while protecting valuable innovation. From idea to investment to international expansion, Gowling WLG understands the potential of your intellectual property at every stage of growth. Visit gowlingwlg.com backslash cleantech to learn how they can support your business today. Miriam, welcome to Clean Tech Forward. Thank you so much, Jeanette. So look, let's before we dive in, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. How did you get into starting your own clean tech company? So actually, my story starts in high school. I was uh, I stumbled upon a YouTube video of an inventor that developed a better way for solar panels to actually absorb sunlight. So that's when I knew I wanted to actually study electrical engineering, but work on an entrepreneurial endeavor once I graduated from university. So I'm stubborn. I just continued to pursue that after I graduated university to an accelerator called Next Canada. And that's where I met my co-founding team. The CEO of the company is actually an inventor of the technology that we're developing today. And so when I when I met my team is when I knew that this is something that I wanted to be working on with them. And we were keen to work together to essentially bring this sort of impact to scale. It sounds like our paths have parallel. Um, I too, when I finished my academic studies, opened the door to the free world and thought, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to go into working for someone else? Or do I want to take some risk and see what I can do on my own, you know, assuming we could find the right team and stuff to work with. Yeah, and I think there are natural inclinations too. So if you're naturally more inclined to want to explore and want to learn about different aspects of commercialization or technology, it makes a lot of sense to be working at a startup or to start your own company. That just made sense for me because I was more naturally inclined to want to explore. So when it came to sort of the sector that you were interested in looking at, in addition to being an explorer and entrepreneurial, were you open or did you always have sort of sustainability in mind? I actually grew up with the theme of sustainability in a really big way. So my dad worked in the resources industry. Our family nights quite literally consisted of my siblings and I Uh, doing research and uh, presenting on a topic relating to sustainability. 
So growing up, there were a lot of themes around sustainability, and I was just very cognizant of it. It was always something in my life. And so obviously, when I could see that there uh, was a technology that could have impact in that field, it just drew me. It was something that I was immediately drawn to because of the themes in my life. Oh, that's so funny. Um, You know, we're sort of on our way out of COVID, fingers crossed. And uh, when I hear you talk about doing presentations in the evenings, I am I'm kind of the worst parent you want to have going into a pandemic because while most of the kids were out playing or I should say in their backyard playing, waving across the way because no one was coming in close contact. My routine with my daughter daily was picking a topic and doing a presentation on it. Um, Not only did you get to research and learn some different skills, but you could actually work on presentation and and confidence and standing in front of public and getting up there. So does that sound exactly like what you were doing? Yes, I think we do have parallel lives. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay, let's uh, let's dive into Pulsenics. Uh, I've sort of dug around in your website a little bit, and I'm reading up on some of my notes here, but nothing is better than hearing about a company than uh, one of the founders. Um, so tell us, what exactly do you do? What we do is actually very simple. So we diagnose and manage the performance of uh, systems that use electricity for chemical reactions. These systems are called electrochemical systems. They're an asset that, uh, an asset class, an industry that is really, really key to decarbonizing our manufacturing and mobility sectors. The challenge, though, is that these systems are incredibly complex and we're actually blind to their behavior once they're operational. So we can't manage them, manage them at the industrial scale, and that makes them really expensive. And that's why they haven't been deployed at the scale and the rate that we need in order to decarbonize industries. With Pulsenix, we introduce transparency into the behavior of these systems, and that allows us to accelerate the decarbonization of our industries in a major way. And so when I'm hearing you talk, it sounds like it's a heavy combination of both hardware and sensors and software to you know, provide data. Am I right? Yes, exactly. And in terms of some of the sectors that you're going after, I mean, I heard transportation, that's a big one. When we think about, uh, I believe transportation accounts for almost 34% of Canada's carbon emissions. Uh, And then of course you talked about uh, energy infrastructure more broadly in, in quote unquote industry. Can you give us a couple of examples of, you know, ideal customers that should be diving in and using Pulsenix? Yeah, and it's also important to note, Jeanette, that electrochemistry has been around for uh, hundreds of years, and it's actually used for some of the industries that are our are most life-sustaining industries, like producing our aluminum, our metals, treating our waters, etc. But on top of that, emerging applications of electrochemistry include production of low-carbon hydrogen, using uh, batteries and fuel cells to store energy, Uh, just to name a few of the applications, as well as converting CO2 or carbon dioxide to low emissions fuels. So electrochemistry really is everywhere and it's going to continue expanding as um, an asset class and industry. One thing to note, though, is that the emerging applications of electrochemistry need uh, more urgent de-risking. And so that's the applications that include electrolyzers to produce hydrogen and batteries and fuel cells 
to support infrastructure uh, that is clean or mobility that is cleaner? You know, as you know, working with Foresight and some of the other support networks, we're really big on business models. How do customers use your technology? Is it as a service or a license fee or what opportunities are there to, to leverage your, your technology? What we offer is transparency. It's a hardware that can connect to any electrochemical system. It's agnostic of the type of electrochemical system that's used. And it's injecting it with pulses that are not disrupting normal operations, but are essentially querying what, what's happening inside of the system. What's your behavior like? And the system is essentially giving information back to our hardware. The hardware then collects that data and reflects it on software in order to produce visuals in real time, as well as to offer tools for really, really fast insights generation. And so both of these things, essentially, you know, the value proposition is you get visibility and insights for a monthly recurring fee. And so we offer um, hardware and service uh, and software and service uh, for a monthly fee. And then when you think about sort of the impact that your technology can have when it comes to climate change issues, have you explored quantifying that impact across a specific sector or application of the technology? Absolutely. We've modeled uh, what our impact could be at scale for two specific use cases in the hydrogen sector. The first being if we were to accelerate the development and deployment of hydrogen technologies by 30%, what impact would we have? And secondly, if we were to decrease the downtime that's unplanned for these systems once they've been deployed, what would our impact look like? And when we scale that up by 2040, we could abate over a billion tons of CO2 equivalent every single year. Um, That's just in the hydrogen space alone based on the targets that are that have been announced by policies around the world. Uh, hydrogen is certainly a hot topic. Is it an area that you originally focused on or has that come through the process of customer discovery and continuing to develop the technology to a point where you can have you know serious customer conversations? Yeah, exactly. It's the latter. You hit it right on the head. We started with uh, water treatment. So treating water using electrochemistry It's a cleaner way to to treat dirty mining water than, say, chemical uses of water treatment or biological ways to treat water. But we were developing systems that would treat water and using our technology to optimize for that system. We started to actually get inbound requests from our competitors at the time asking us to sell them the core technology that improves the efficiency of our own systems when we were deploying them. And that's when we realized visibility on its own could be a value proposition that is that could be incredibly meaningful for a certain market, which is manufacturers of these types of systems. So we pivoted end of 2019 and uh, now we're focused uh, focused on applications in hydrogen just because it requires the most urgent de-risking and upscaling in a period of time we never really, as a humanity, have endeavored to, to to scale up for entire industries. I do find it's interesting that, you know, you go embark on a journey to develop a technology and solve a problem. And even through that process and developing the tools you need to succeed, you can develop a, an even stronger value proposition for a larger audience. And I, that, I mean, I, I think 
what an incredible opportunity for you and your team to come across that. Yeah, and I think, Jeanette, it, it also adds empathy to the entire process of market discovery because we ourselves were developing the systems and we had the same challenges as who we currently work with now. So as a result, uh, we actually really understand the challenges that our clients would be going through and how our technology could actually create an impact because we went through it ourselves for two years. So let's dive into the company itself. You know, no startup is is easy. It takes a lot of uh, commitment, sacrifice, uh, happy tears, sad tears. How has the journey been for you over the last few years? And what kind of barriers have you encountered while building Paulsenix? Quite a few. Um, I would say, I mean, we pivoted during COVID, actually. So we were essentially stuck, three of us in a small, small room in downtown Toronto, um, heads down, trying to understand the market, trying to develop and mature the technology, trying to find manufacturers, and we could not go anywhere in order to do so. We could not meet people um, and so on. So the challenges really were associated with um, how do you de-risk some of the biggest risks that you have in the first two years of operation? And a lot of these risks are associated with, do you have the right product market fit? Do you have a right understanding of your value proposition? Do you have a right um, picture of the willingness to pay, but then also once you do have these things, how do you execute in the fastest way possible so that you can get to market faster? Accelerators were a big part of how we actually developed the ecosystems that and the resources and the mentorship that allowed us to get over a lot of these hurdles. And we can we can talk a little bit about some of the accelerators we've gone through and how they've helped us, but. Accelerators are one of those resources that have been really helpful, especially during the, the pandemic. I'd love to dig into some of that. Um, do you want to sort of walk us through your journey and some of the different groups that you've engaged and the type of supports that they provide? So we actually, once we pivoted, we joined the Hacks Accelerator. Uh, this is an SOSB-backed uh, uh, accelerator that essentially helps you get from zero to one in terms of your hardware. So it's a hardware-focused manufacturing accelerator with relationships with contract manufacturers in China and then also relationships in the uh, Bay Area. And so that has that really allowed us to, once we had a concept and we had a, a small-scale MVP from our early days in water treatment, that we could then accelerate the quick iterations of our hardware without having to worry about developing those relationships with contract manufacturers. So that was one. Um, Another is the um, Climate Ventures Earth Tech Accelerator. And that one was really, really helpful in terms of mentorship. There was, a, you know, we had a mentor. She was incredible. She would sit down with us on a biweekly uh, basis. And actually, we would walk through, uh, based on our objectives, uh, some of the business strategies that we needed to implement to get to our growth, to get to our uh, business goals, to get to our impact goals. And that's really rare because strategy is not something that can be taught. It's something that you need to be going through. And so experience from a seasoned mentor is really, really important and valuable. And thirdly, uh, the Scale for Climate Tech program. It's an ICERTA funded program that is also a manufacturing program, but now it's, it's taking you from one to 10 in terms of improving your manufacturing readiness level. 
And this one's really important, again, because as a startup founder or, you know, you don't really have those networks related to manufacturing that people can spend their whole careers building. And you may not have a framework or a structure for how you would de-risk your manufacturing and reduce the costs and make sure that you're designing for manufacturing and so on and so forth. So I feel with hardware companies, it is important to have the right resources. So for us, that meant manufacturing and strategy. Those were, you know, some of the highlights for us. Now that you're sort of a few steps ahead in your venture, are you fundraising right now? What does the next sort of milestone look like for you? Yeah, so it was super important for us to uh, not fundraise until we actually were revenue generating and sustainable in terms of our revenues. And that if we were to ever fundraise, that it would be to actually uh, grow beyond what we could have if we were just uh, getting revenue and putting it back into the company. So we are at that stage right now where we've de-risked uh, some of the most, the largest risks that you could have for an early stage company and and going towards growth. And we uh, we do see ourselves fundraising in the near future. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs that are following in your footsteps? Talk to as many people as possible. It doesn't even matter if they're in your industry or not, because perspective is everything. That's something that some, especially, you know, uh, young graduates may not understand the the importance of in uh, your early career is being able to actually develop networks of uh, support around you and different perspectives. Because that's the one thing that you're really lacking in your early career is perspective and experience. You may have the excitement, you may have the the character to want to always be learning, you may have the maybe ignorance to know your own limitations or the limitations of what you're working on. And that you know, gives you an ability to do a lot, but you do lack the experience and the perspective, which you should be trying to supplement with your network for sure. No, I think that's a great message. Uh, when I take a step back and look at the companies that I've, I used to have a much closer touch point with all the ventures through Foresight. But when I do sit back with the team and we talk about some trends on, you know, what's making ventures more successful than others, it is a reality. And I'm I'm speaking, you know, beyond team, value prop, business model and pure competitive advantage. It's really, um, you know, that openness to learn, that openness to build a network, connect with a lot of folks to figure out who has the special insight or information that you can leverage to leapfrog ahead of competitors and be the best technology provider that knows the space inside and out. And I I can't encourage folks enough that that's one of many, but in particular, one of the critical elements that I think accelerators across Canada provide and that we really strive uh, to provide to, to the network that we support, you know, with 150 plus EIRs and mentors more and more representing, you know, real industry insight. That's absolutely like really at the crux of it is the mentorship. I mean, 150 EIRs, that cumulative experience and knowledge is going to be something that is really hard to replicate, right? So accelerators are great for this. Communities and networks, the the work that Foresight is doing is incredible for especially early stage founders or, you know, first time founders, second time founders, or founders in emerging markets like climate tech. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, Jeanette. 
before we close off, is there anything else you would like to add and share with the Clean Tech Forward podcast uh, community? Just thank you for your time. And I am absolutely available to answer any questions um, if I could be of help in any way, shape or form. Miriam, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Clean Tech Forward podcast and to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Clean Tech Forward will be back next time with our panel of expert clean tech investors who will hear pitches from some of Canada's amazing innovators. See you there. To learn more about Foresight's programs, events, and more, visit us at foresightcac.com or follow us on social at foresightcac.com.